Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They have won the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy. Straight into the hands of the man on the mid-wicket boundary. Another one down. Hello and welcome to Storylines, the women's cricket podcast. We're here at Lords. England have just beaten Australia by five wickets and the crowd went mental. The media centre went mental. Everyone listening at home probably went mental because England have beaten Australia in back-to-back games and they've still got a chance to win the Ashes. I'm Melissa Story and joining me in the Lords media centre, my ad, is our producer, Matt Griffiths. Hi, Melissa. Great to meet you in person. We're finally getting all the in-person meets out the way. And uh, what a fantastic game. I came here to basically just watch the game and then message Melissa, who happened to be working, and here we are recording our podcast. I know. Suddenly, we've had Nikki at the Oval on Wednesday, who was desperately trying to get here tonight. She couldn't. So we're still yet to have that three-person or four-person, because Simon in there as well, meet-up, which I'm sure we'll have later this summer. First of all, this Women's Ashes series has had some incredibly great games. The test match went down to the fifth day. Yes, maybe things were leading a bit more Australia's way, but England still had a chance. And all three T20s have come down right to the very end. The the 60,000 plus people who have piled in across these three T20s have not been let down, have they? The entertainment has been absolutely first class. Big scores, high run rates, catches, great fielding. The level of play that the girls have put on has been it's been an absolute treat. England today made changes to their side. Did they affect the quality of the team? Absolutely not. It was absolutely blockbuster from like ball one. It was a, it was a fantastic game. I, I'm sure you can tell, but we are absolutely buzzing in the media centre here. And the, my favourite part of this is, of course, so many people were brought into the women's game through the 100 last year, where we saw record-breaking crowds. We were seeing 7,000s. Then we had, you know, of course, the Commonwealth Games last summer as well, which saw big crowds. But this Ashes series and the hype around two Ashes series this summer you know you look to the crowd and you see young girls young boys you know for me it's almost you're seeing young groups of lads coming here for a a pint or two but the fact that the women's game is you know on a 
on a larger scale and to a larger audience being seen as this is so entertaining you know there's nothing to prove here it's it's been proven by out there the the play in the middle the sixes being hit the intelligent gameplay and just the quality of the cricketers out there because all 22 players on that field today put in their very all and you know the amount of people I think who've tuned into this game today or come along to watch even just on a whim how will be converted to women's cricket for the rest of their lives now absolutely it's been a fantastic game and can we get on to that game because England win the toss go on to the front foot Australians into bat Charlie Dean top of the mark she took a little bit of taff in the last game looking to bounce back and first over it goes for 10 runs and I was thinking oh my goodness I've seen this game before but a tidy over from Natsiva Brunt at the other end Dean's second over from the pavilion first ball of the third over bang LBW absolutely plum stone dead Elisa Healy who got off to a little bit of a flyer and then just Lords erupted and it was about as loud as I've ever heard the crowd at Lords. Nearly 22,000 people in and it was bouncing. And that was one of the dismissals I found across the Australian innings, which was quite uncharacteristic because yes, they got to 155 for seven, but it was quite stop starting when you, you know, you run your, your eyes over this scorecard. Beth Mooney made it to the 30s, but it was ugly runs. Ash Gardner got to 32 and was looking fluent towards the end of her innings, but then got out to a really weird dismissal. I mean, Mooney going down to paddle the ball showed that she was struggling a bit. Gardner charging down the pitch to a shorter delivery. First of all, an amazing bit of work from Amy Jones because we thought she'd done one of the most incredible stumpings and it turns out there was a faint edge. So actually, she she not only stumped Gardner, but she caught her out as well. And then Elise Perry, who often does so well against England, also just struggled to that kind of 30 mark. And you know, it was looking like, okay, 150, always in T20, that's one of those iffy scores in the middle of it. It could go one way, it could go the other. And Lords, of course, is a traditionally lower scoring ground. So, you know, it, it was a few question marks. But I think England, their bowlers did really well. I mean, they dropped five catches, which at that stage, a lot of us were going, that's it, that's the game. Well, as soon as you drop one catch against Australia, you're done for, but five England will be disappointed in that, obviously, but it was a bit slippy out there. It was a bit wet. I mean, a stop-start innings, there were rain delays in that, but five catches is so sort of almost unacceptable. I mean, poor old Sophie Eccleston last over. She should have been on a hat-trick, and in the end, clean bowling, Annabelle Sutherland. Um, how, after, oh, was it? It was Capsie at long off, dropped an absolute dolly. Like, it was... a catching practice I uh, you know for me and of course Eccleston and Capsi are like the best friends yeah. of the, the the cricketing world you know it's the princess and the pauper Barbie for comparison like <laughs> you're just like me I'm just like you but I'm sure they wouldn't be singing and dancing around together in the pavilion after that Alice Capsey, though, probably made up for it with her innings in England's run chase. Of course, the rain fell and it fell quite heavily. The ground staff here at Lords, absolute legends, did a fantastic job. And that revised target for England, 119 from 14 overs. From the outset, what were your thoughts in the crowd? Were you thinking, this is good, England have 10 wickets in hand? Talking to the people in the crowd around me, I was with my partner and a few of our friends, and we were saying that it just felt like the Australians were a little bit under par. Wickets at the, to close the innings, a really smart run out by Eccleston as well, after she um, took that wicket of Sutherland. England ended the first innings with such momentum, and I think it did carry over where, especially with uh, Danny White and Dunkley, and Danny Wyatt, until I, I couldn't believe that she actually got out. She looked like she was literally middling everything, some glorious cover drives, and then completely, it almost seemed, felt like completely against the run of play. 
that we're two down. My argument, though, is that, you know, yes, England dropped five catches. Usually, if, you're, if a team's dropping five catches, you should say they're on the side which should lose. But I think Australia's tactics in the first five overs almost lost them the game because, as you say, Danny White looked amazing and Megan Shute and Darcy Brown, Ash Gardner were all bowling to Danny White, who in her last innings when she scored 76 at the Oval, 1.81% of her shots were on the offside and they had a gap at cover and she was pumping them and pumping them and pumping them through that gap and it's almost like they were going, it's almost like they forgot they were only defending 119 because they were like, okay, yeah, this is fine, keep going, keep going. The ball didn't even go to deep square or deep mid-wicket once. So essentially, Australia threw away in the early stages 30 runs to Danny White by playing into her strengths. And yes, I think maybe a Danny White of a few years ago may have got a bit rattled from that because they were bowling a straight line and she can get a bit, you know, dizzy around her pad sometimes. But because she's in such great form, she's a more experienced player now, she was just always able to step back into the onside and, you know, went from lofting the ball over extra cover to slicing the ball past point to delicately guiding the ball past the keeper and you know those kind of innings with her strike rate 173 I mean that that changed the game and I think allowed Alice Capsey to come in and score 46 off 23 balls she needed runs right she had scored 17 runs off her last five t20 innings and you know she's she's come back from a bit of a collarbone injury over in December in the West Indies and maybe hasn't looked to of her normal self since then, but tonight we saw the Alice Capsi we know and love. Melissa's the chief member of the Alice Capsi fan club, as we all know, and I thought that I was really impressed with the way that it was almost a swagger that Alice Capsi walked out to the crease, 18 years old at Lords, in no way overawed in a crucial must-win game for England. And I think it was her second or third ball, she just pumped it over deep mid-wicket for six, and the crowd absolutely erupted because it had gone a little bit quiet with the, the wickets of White and Dunkley falling almost back-to-back. They were consecutive balls. Consecutive balls at the end of the over, yeah, that's right. Just as the power play ended and we moved to sort of the second phase of the game, the crowd went a little bit flat, but outstrode Alice Capsie. It smashes a six. The crowd are back on top in good voice, and I felt that Australia really looked out of ideas, as you said, when Wyatt was batting. They had a really strict, like a really tight offside ring and yet bowled straight. So allowed White to use her feet and look really comfortable. And they never really recovered. Capsi and Siva Brunt were able to hit boundaries almost when they needed to. And my question to you is, of course, Australia, they, they haven't lost a series since 2017. There was a brilliant tweet, which was that the last time Australia lost a series, Alice Capsi was 12 and Theresa May was still prime minister. So that puts it into context for you. It's slightly alarming how many prime ministers we've had since then. Yeah. But moving swiftly on. So my question for you, I guess, is that Australia is so used to winning when it's actually down to the wire and on the back foot. You know, it looked like they'd never really performed under pressure before. And then then they suddenly start to crumble. And Towards the end, there was some spectacular bits of fielding. Georgia Wareham was brilliant on on the square leg boundary. And she saved probably about five or six runs from, from diving around out there. But the bowlers in particular just... It was like they suddenly were like, oh, now we're under pressure. We don't know what to do. We're, not, we're never under pressure. What, what do we do in this situation? They say that good teams forget how to lose. And I think Australia have almost forgotten how to win from a losing position, such as the talent and the experience and the, just the 
utter domination they have of the women's game. They're a team that, almost like the Australian men's team of the early 2000s, they like to get ahead early and then they like to crush you. You know, they dominate and they play front foot cricket. And when they're ahead of the game, they make it, you know, it's impossible to get back into the game. But once they're in an even game and it's nip and tuck, they do seem a little bit devoid of creativity. I don't know if that's Alyssa Healy. At the end of the 12th overs of 14, Australia are already behind the cutoff point, so they have to have one fielder inside the 30-yard circle. They wasted almost another couple of minutes in a three-way sort of chinwag between, it was, I think it was Healy, Sutherland and Georgia Wareham about whether she should bowl the penultimate over. And you're thinking... These guys aren't used to this sort of pressure. They're not used to being in a game that's this tight. And I think the crazy thing as well, if you look through this England scorecard, is we mentioned Danny White striking at 173, Alice Capsey striking at 200. But you look at the more experienced players in between those. Dunkley, who struggled at the top of the order, yet again was bounced out to a shorter ball, which, of course, with this Ashes series still alive for England, England need to consider this going into the ODIs because Dunkley has shown a vulnerability to the shorter ball. But then you had an innings from Nat Silverbrunt where she was striking it. 100 which in a a rain reduced overs match isn't good enough and Heather Knight as well coming in and getting just six runs as well they almost looked a bit too rigid in the way they went about things whilst as you mentioned Alice Capsey strolled out with confidence Danny White was using the crease and you've even got Danny Gibson who at first I was a bit surprised to see sent out for England in fact I probably would have liked to see Sophie Eccleston come in at five after Alice Capsey because she proved in the Women's Premier League that she is a genuine batter. And I think England really overlook what she can do in these kind of situations because they're not flexible enough with the scorecard. Heather Knight struggles against Australia. She averages around 14 against them. And Amy Jones as well, even though she did score runs the other day, can struggle at the start of her inning. She takes a few more balls to warm up. But Sophie Eccleston doesn't. For me, send her in. If she hits a six and gets out the next ball, you're suddenly ahead when it was getting close at the end. And in all honesty, England probably shouldn't have had it go down to the final over. But Danny Gibson, young player playing just her third international in general, can I just say Gloucestershire's Danny (laughs) Gibson, came in, reverse swept the ball for four, got the winning runs for England. You have this brilliant juxtaposition, you have this brilliant juxtaposition between the younger players who went out there in front of a big crowd and played fearlessly. And actually, some of England's more experienced players not quite adjusting to the tempo of this run rate. Is this a glimpse into the future of England cricket in five years' time? Or less than that, really, with these younger players coming in. You've got Freya Kemp, my Boucher waiting on the sidelines. That, yes, England are beating Australia now, two games in two, but we all recognise that this is a rarity and this is something really magical happening here. But skip you know, a few years in the future with these young, fearless cricketers. This is going to be happening a lot more often. Well, hopefully. I mean, as you say, it was the young guns for England that took them home. I mean, the experienced player in Wire is almost... Although Danny White is, you know, she's 32, she's an experienced player. She's almost got a new lease of life. She's slightly changed her technique. She's playing a lot more fearlessly, a lot more... She seems to be a lot more of the next generation, mirroring Capsy Gibson with that freedom that she's now playing with. I thought that Nat Silverbrunt played a pretty good foil to Alice Capsey. I thought that there were a couple of times where Capsey was dropped, of course, uh, mid-wicket. A tough chance, to be fair. But the, um, after that, uh, Nat had a word with her, just said, you know, you're well ahead of the run rate. You're smashing it everywhere. Just take a, take a second, calm down. And then after that, they consolidated really nicely and just always looked a little bit ahead of the rate. What I was going to say is England need 12 to win of 16 balls. They have eight wickets in hand. And then Capsey gets caught. 
And once again, I thought, I've seen this film before as a flurry of... Lovely Taylor Swift quote, first of all. I'm not (laughs) sure if you're aware (laughs) of that, but I'm hugely impressed. (laughs) A flurry of wickets fall at the end and England almost stumble over the line. What I was going to say was, and then when Amy Jones came out and tried to absolutely slam her first ball with a slog sweep and got literally nowhere near it and the ball just whistled past leg stump I thought oh no and I as an England fan even though it was literally two runs to win I was sweating and I thought Australia are going to do it they're going to do it again I love to imagine you sat down there in the stands in front of the media centre just loudly almost like that guy in the cinema who when a a trailer shows and they go poor that looked awful you just going down there going oh no Oh no, I've seen this one before. Oh no. And just everyone around him going, that guy's having a crisis. Like, is he okay? Honestly, it was one of those games where you just didn't know where it was going to go. And as of course, Australia are a brilliant team. And they very easily on another day could have got through there. They could have snuck through. The reverse sweep may not have played off for Danny Gibson. And actually, I think for me, Georgia Wareham stand out for Australia because I mentioned her fielding. But she bowled two overs for 10 runs, picked up that wicket in the end of Nat Siverbrunt. But you're looking at it and saying Australia went with five bowlers before they went to Georgia Wareham. Leg spin, leg spin and a run chase on a pitch which is notorious for being slow and a little bit hard to chase on. Why did they go to her so late? Not only did they lose the game in those power play tactics and those four, first four overs, but they lost the game by not introducing Wareham quick enough, in my opinion. I agree. I think they stuck with their plan, you know, they're looking Megan Shute, Darcy Brown, Ash Gardner. You're thinking proven performers, but on the night, that's not what was working. Capsi look, Capsi and Silver Brunt looked very comfortable against Shute and Gardner, particularly. It wasn't until that almost the game was lost. England needed just over a run of ball uh, with four overs to go, and it was only then that I, I almost feel like Wareham actually ran over. Maybe that's what the, that discussion was. It was. It was almost like she came in from the boundary and said to Alyssa Healy, "Skipper." Give me a bowl. I need. I, I feel like I can affect the game here. And she didn't bowl in the last T20 as well, which of course England won. So for me, I'm looking at Australia and saying, think about the use of your leg spinner, you know, going forward. They're so effective. But overall, there's been over 20,000 fans in here today at Lords. England have won, as I said, two back-to-back games. And we head into the ODI series. Of course, we'll be bringing you dailies on those ODIs. Just want to say, all three ODIs are now sold out at Bristol, Southampton and Taunton. It's the first ODI series to be sold out in England, I believe. Just this is going to be amazing. Just the fact England have taken things to the ODIs after almost, you know, a loss in the test match puts you on the back foot from the start. They've been fighting against the odds, but they have made sure that Australia haven't retained or won the Ashes at the earliest opportunity. They said that they were going to keep fighting. They said that they've got this new mindset with John Lewis and they've got a chance to prove it now with three games to go. I mean, bring on John Ball, bring on the ODIs. I can't wait for the conclusion of this series. Each game has been so exciting. It's going to ebb and flow and we'll be with you every single game, bringing a daily podcast. It's been brilliant. As you can tell, we're both so excited. What a night it's been. And as you say, bring on the ODIs. If you do want to get in touch with us, leave us some feedback, then you can at Storylines Pod on Twitter or Instagram. Of course, stay tuned with everything that's happening at Headingley with the Analyst Inside Cricket daily podcast as well. But from me and Matt, that's all for now. Thanks for listening. Bye. Podcast Network.